Well, good morning. Um, I'm one of your pastors. Some people call me Grandpa. You can call me whatever you want. Somebody called me Domini at the early service when I walked out, and they said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a little heavy duty. But I'm Greg, and it's good to be here with you this morning. And uh, I want to share with you, last night, I had the, the wonderful pleasure and privilege to, to be launching the first service we had for our totally masked individuals that didn't, haven't felt comfortable coming. Um, so they met and uh, kept their mask on. We all kept them, except when I came up here. Uh, we had about 40 of us here, which was beautiful. And some of these folks, I have to tell you, I have not seen. I've talked to on the phone, but I haven't seen in six months. And I don't want to pick on her, but I saw Dorothy DeRue. And some of you know Dorothy. Dorothy struggles with cancer. And I hadn't seen Dorothy since I saw her in the hospital early this year. And uh, I said... If she were the only one here, it was worth being here for Dorothy. So uh, it was a, a blessing to, to be here uh, last evening. And uh, most of our pastoral staff was here too to support the folks. So a special welcome to those of you who are online. Um, some have become very accustomed to that. And we're glad you're here uh, there in worship with us. Uh, but we will, and I want to invite you, as the signs say in the front of our church, welcome home. There's something about gathering here. So I'm praying that uh, as this COVID, this pandemic works its way out, I, I pray, because I will confess, I was a little, maybe, I might have been a little cavalier over COVID. Um, so forgive me, I've, I'm taking it much more seriously um, because in our family, and I want to thank many of you who've sent me notes or sent us cards, um, my brother-in-law died from complications of COVID a week ago Friday, and the funeral was this Thursday. And it's made me really realize the significance of the virulence of this virus. We can't, I guess, and I'm not a scientist, but it seems as if we can't quite figure it all out. But I do know one thing. We need to respect one another. And, uh, and, I've, and I've grown in, in my understanding to do that. So forgive me if I was a little cavalier. I'm pulling back a little bit. And I'm sensitive because even my wife, she has asthma. So I, I really am careful with her. Um, but I should be think that way with everyone. <clears throat> okay, I got that off my chest. But I want to share with you this morning, you know, we're doing, we're in this uh, series on one of my favorite books of the Bible, Ephesians. <clears throat> and uh, Trent said to me, and uh, he's probably listening, but he wanted to have Ephesians 3, and I, I really enjoyed Ephesians 2, and I like Ephesians 1. And... Uh, but uh, I loved what he shared last week 
For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one of us can boast. For we are God's poema, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So now we go to Ephesians 3. <clears throat> and um, something you should know about Ephesians. Ephesians was written by Paul while in prison, and <clears throat> it was actually considered a circular letter. Do you know what that means? A circular letter is one in which it wasn't just written to one church. It was written to a number of churches. And so I'll say this to you this morning, that this book was written, and the words we'll hear were written to 10376 Felch Community Church. They're written for us today. So they just weren't 2,000 years ago. So beautiful words. And, uh, but I want to, since I'm not doing the whole chapter, the beginning of chapter 3 is about Paul, and he's sharing, you know, the fiery fact that the gospel is no longer just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. But then he also shares this. He shares, um, and I'll say, I think in a boldness and humility, he shares that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. That manifold witness he talks about in the heavenly realms. Now I'm going to ask you to walk with me on something. You see, <clears throat> there is a reason why we as a church, as community, why we do series and why we do each Sunday our message based on Scripture. You see, Scripture is really what it's all about. That's what we should share. But there's a reason for that sharing. It's not just for you and me. It's to be a manifold witness in the heavenly realms. Because you, you must understand, although you can't see them, there are demonic forces, there are demonic angels that exist right here in our community, around this church. But there's also heavenly beings that exist, angels. And it's scripture, and I'll say this, as a megaphone to the spiritual world, not just to us, but it's a megaphone to the spiritual world that it incites God's response to his angelic forces to cripple those that are demonic. So that's how powerful the word of God is. It's crippling to the demonic forces. Now, if you wonder about that, you might say, well, I think, Greg, you may be going a little far. Well, I want to take you back to a famous theologian, Linus in Charlie Brown's Christmas. He said it very well when he stood up on the stage, and you may remember he said this, suddenly there was a great company of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. You know, the shepherds, he said, remember, remember that Trent said they were sore afraid. The reason they were afraid is because what they saw is something you and I haven't seen. They saw a heavenly host, 
And host, actually in its translation, is army. There were an army of angels, and picture this, and I'm not pushing into Second Amendment rights at all, but I want you to picture this army of angels, why the shepherds were so terrified. It's as if they were pointing down to Bethlehem with AK-47s in their hands. It's because they were ready for battle. God had called them, and they now entered into the battle because our Savior was born, the Word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So this, this heavenly force, this manifold witness that Paul's talking about is real. It's very real, which is why we share the Word of God, why the gospel is so important to go out. So, Paul says that's why our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness in this world, the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. He used those words in Ephesians 6. But now, this morning, we continue with this series, and where I was brought was the prayer of Paul to the Ephesian church and to community church. The prayer starts in chapter 3, verse 14, and I'm going to share this prayer with us, and then we're going to walk through it. And I'm going to share some things about that prayer and how, how that may speak to you and I this morning. He said, for this reason, and remember the reason, this manifold witness he had just given in the Gospels out to the Gentiles. He said, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of the glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he goes on and he says, and I pray that you be rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's quite a prayer, isn't it? I call this prayer the dance of the Trinity. It's okay, I know those of us who come from a Reformed background always had maybe a little hesitation when we say dance, because you know what that leads to. Cards, no. But the fact is, this is the dance of the Trinity. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a harmonious relationship. It's that perichoretic relationship. And all that really means is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at this dance and what it says to us. So walk with me, will you? First of all, Paul starts, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. In a time 
where kneeling seems to bring thoughts of many of us to different places. Some people seem to kneel at different things, at sporting events, don't they? Kneeling is a place where we should only be when it comes to serving God and our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. That is who we should take a knee for. And he calls this posture with the Father, a kneel before the Father. And it's not that God is a male or female, it's God is a spirit. And we're called that they worship him, must worship him. In what? Spirit and in truth. But Paul addresses him as father. He does actually 42 times in the New Testament and six times just in this letter to the church at Ephesus. In fact, if Paul isn't enough, Jesus in the Gospel of John, he shares the Father, God the Father, 156 times in the Gospel of John. You see, he would call him Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. In fact, in John 1, 18, Jesus, in one translation, it says, Jesus is at the bosom of his Father. That's how close that relationship was between the Father and the Son. The fact is, that context in Scripture of the Father is about compassion and tenderness and love. Definitely not, and maybe this is worth us pushing into a little bit, not like maybe some of our earthly fathers today and in the past. Fathers that may have been rather stoic, maybe distant. It's hard for some some of us to even think of a father because of the brokenness we may have had in our own home situation of what a father figure meant. But I'd encourage you to think about there is a perfect father. God the Father is the perfect father, a God of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. You see, I think I... I believe I saw that even this past Thursday in my brother-in-law's funeral service. They called him, the grandchildren called him Pa, Pa. He was close to them. A couple of the grandchildren shared of what, what Pa meant to them in their lives and how he helped change their lives, brought them to a place different in their spiritual walk, how he shared with them his heart. So again, I'm, I'm reminded of the Father's tenderness, compassion. And then now, we go to verse 15. From whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What's Paul talking about here? His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Well, Paul is talking about the present, past, present, and future bride of Christ. I like to think of it this way. We're here at community, and people who gather in churches on this Worldwide Communion Sunday throughout the world are gathering together as what is called the church militant. In other words, 
It's the church that's already, but not yet. We're here. We're not in eternity. Then there's the church triumphant. Those are the individuals who have gone before us. They're the ones that are in the spiritual realm. They're in heaven with God. That's the church triumphant. And one day, as we as believers in Scripture will remember that we will be taken up as the bride of Christ, his church, and be united. So what Paul's talking about is this beautiful picture of the church triumphant and that we're part of that. The very fact that when we think about kneeling, when we think about being part of the church, we have to think about this, that as Paul said in Philippians 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, that's the picture we have here at the beginning of this prayer. The significance of kneeling, the, the significance of being part of the family of God. It's worth celebrating, isn't it? That's why we're here to worship. In fact, this scripture, this dance of the Trinity is about worship. It's all about worship. It's a life of worship. Worship is life and life is worship. That's how we should be. Then he goes on in verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Think of it this way. The members, all the members of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are all working together in an eloquent and fluent way. It's a harmonious relationship of obedience, of love, of doing and supporting one another. It's a mutual giving and receiving. It's a picture of how we should be here in the church, how we should be mutually supportive of one another. It's why we want to help the Bursma family. It's why we want to reach out to others that are struggling. Why we want to be the support we're called to be. And we should be that way too to our neighbors. I don't care what sign they have stuck in their yard. It doesn't matter. You need to baffle them with your love and kindness. See, it's not about that. I kiddingly saw the other day, I, was, I, I smile every time I drive by it, because it's close to where we live. There's one house that's full of the donkey things, and then there's another house right next door full of the elephant things. And I've decided I'd like to make a sign with, I saw a friend of mine who sent me a text with a picture from the church of Ephesus. I know, but it was Ephesus Baptist Church. And this was in the Carolinas. And it said this, tired of the donkey? Tired of the elephant? Try the lamb. And I thought, you know, that's really true, isn't it? We should try the lamb. Maybe that's where we should put our focus. If we put our focus in the lamb, and the lamb in us, it really won't matter about the donkey or the elephant, will it? I don't care if there is an elephant in the room. I'm going to say this anyway. 
But that's who we should be, shouldn't it? That's how we should be, our posture to one another. So when we think about this, we think about the power through the Spirit. It's the Spirit that changes us. It's the Spirit that gives us life. It gives us who we're called to be in Christ, in Christ in us. Set your hearts on things above, Paul said in Colossians. Not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the church. So put to death those things that belong to your earthly nature. That's what this means to us this morning. And I pray now that you, being rooted and established in love, may have to power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and deep and wide is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, what's Paul saying here? He's saying it's more than just about knowledge. It's about a heart of passion. It's about understanding, grasping that power of love. The stark reality, and I can talk to myself on this one, because this is where I was not all that many years ago. I lived in rather a legalistic place. Things seemed to be pretty black and white to me. In fact, almost too black and white. Because I had knowledge stamped in my head. But what I didn't have is I didn't have it here. And you see, for a Christian, the furthest distance to travel is not from Chicago O'Hare to some overseas destination like Hawaii, although that sounds very nice to me right now. The furthest destination for a Christian is 18 inches. It's from the head to the heart. Did you know that? That's the, the furthest destination. And see what happens in this prayer, Paul's saying that now changes because the Spirit works in you. And now it brings that knowledge. We have knowledge, but it brings it as a passion to your heart. That's why Jesus, you know why we're called to be here in this life, in this short life that we have, as I saw this past Thursday so evidently, that we live in the dash, don't we? You know the dash. It's that place between the date that you were born and the date that you die. There's a dash. So what does that dash look like? What does our life look like? Well, Jesus was pretty direct in this, and he said, we're called to be disciples. We're called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's what I've come to know, come to understand. I walked into a hardware store, one of my stores the other day, no name, but I like it, and it's not far from home. And I said to Lori, who was there, I said, I love you, Lori. And she goes, out loud in the store, she goes, oh, you love everyone. I said, well, you're right. I do. I love everyone. But then I said to her, I don't like everyone. 
she looked at me. I said, well, the Bible says we're, we don't have to like someone. We've got to love them. You know, right? But the fact is, uh, as I've come to see in this, this past few weeks, we've started the Grace and Truth class again here on Wednesday nights. Grace and Truth is a study that looks at how the evangelical church should deal with those that are marginalized, the LGBT plus Q individuals. What does that look like? And uh, it's been very enlightening because how can you show love but not be affirming of maybe behavior? The fact is, as any of us, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I've learned this, that acceptance does precede obedience. When you love someone, it's then that they can see the power of God working in your life through the Holy Spirit. You see, I can't change anyone, but God can. And he uses us as his vessels, broken as we are. So the fact is, we have work to do in the church. Not to be judgmental, not to be legalistic, but to be loving and to accept people to listen to them, talk to them, let them know how much you care. So I share that with you as it's spoken to me. Paul goes on in Philippians, he says, uh, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What Paul's saying in that passage of Philippians is, that's Jesus. And when we think about him, it will change us. That's the knowledge that passes from here into a passion of the heart. Jesus didn't call us to learn, just learn more about him. Think about his disciples. He said, follow me, follow me. So when you and I follow him, when we read the Gospels, they help us to see a life, a living life of what it means, just as the leper ran to him, who never should have run to him. That was totally culturally wrong to do. But he, he ran to Jesus. You may remember, it's one of the first accounts. And he fell at Jesus' feet and he said, teacher, you're willing, you can make me clean. What did, what did Jesus do? He reached out with his hand before he said anything, and he placed it on this unclean man and said, I am willing, be clean. Isn't that the way we should be? I know it's hard now with COVID, but there's something about a touch. There's something about looking at someone telling them that you care, listening to them. And that's why we're here together. That's why we gather as a family of God in community to worship. I love the fact that it's growing here. We're getting more and more people coming back. As I shared last night, it was a joy to be here last night as well. In the early service this morning as well too. But Jesus makes this very clear for us as Paul did in this prayer, this beautiful prayer 
of the dance of the Trinity that he invites us into. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. You are a sweetheart. No, he didn't say that. I just am saying that to this little one. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. This is authority now that the Father has given Jesus. You see, they're one together. He said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You see, that's who we're called to be, is disciples making disciples. That's why our neighbors, our 500 neighbor initiative, was one of the things, one of the initiatives of the church. It wasn't just another box to check. It was about people here at community reaching out to neighbors, to people they work with, for them to see the love of Christ in you. And I want to share a story with you. I want to share a story about someone who is a member of our church, who was this way and was a neighbor to a dear young lady. I have permission to share this story. The young lady's name is Megan. Megan's 27 years old. Megan has had significant health issues, heart issues, um, emotional issues. She went through, uh, because her parents went through a less than amicable divorce, it was a very was a difficult time for her. And uh, someone in our church had reached out to her and enfolded her, loved her, met with her, brought food over to their home, studied scripture with her. I remember hearing about when they went through the Gospel of Mark together. It was significant, and what you need to know is this person was not a believer. This person was someone this individual from church loved. So she walked with her. And now I want to share with you some words that Megan shared with me. I can't thank you enough for the love that you pour into me. It truly is one of the biggest blessings in my life. You have truly gotten me through so much, and I couldn't imagine going through life without you in it. You are the one responsible for my turning my life over to Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? You were patient. You constantly invited my mother and I to church with you. And although we didn't know, you never let up. And you were always warm to us. You knew everything I needed to heal was just Jesus. And you kept persisting. And when I finally accepted Jesus, my life changed. What you need to know is this Megan is now had flown yesterday and arrived to see her dad in Texas last night. So I'd ask you to pray for her and her time with her dad, a time of healing. But I want you to know this about Megan and this individual that walked with her. 
This was not over a couple weeks. In fact, it wasn't over a few months. It was over a decade. You see, this, my friends, is a picture of God's long-suffering. His desire is that no one would not know him, would not see him. And that's how we should be. God's timing is perfect. I can tell you, it is a beautiful picture to see what's happened in this, this young life. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine, according to his power, does that work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. That's how and who we should be. Jesus meant for the truth in the head to awaken a passion in the heart. A passion that calls believers to live out their faith. Prayer that brings us to worship. The dance of the Trinity calls us to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and to baffle those around us. Yes, baffle them. Peter said, live such lives among the unbelievers that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, although they may not think they not, may not believe like you, but that they may see your good deeds and give glory to God on the day he visits us. What Peter's saying in those words is this. Live your life. Share the gospel. Live the gospel. Because there will be a day, and we don't know what day that is. We don't know the time, but we do know this, that the Holy Spirit will touch a heart. And they'll want to know the hope that you have. And we're called to always be ready to give that hope to others. So the right heart. Yes, that's the most important. Along with, of course, a correct belief. When the heart loves, it's a result of loving thoughts. Warm thoughts. And that has power to produce beautiful behavior. See, acceptance does precede obedience. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then it goes on, Paul in Galatians, and he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the old nature, with its passions and desires. Now, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Paul went on and he said in Philippians, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of growing, knowing and growing in Christ Jesus my Lord. So I'd ask you this morning, as we come to the table, Where's your, what's your posture like in your life? What's that 18-inch journey look like for you? That 18 inches from the head to the heart. Are you ready for the dance? Are you ready to enter into the dance with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? This prayer is calling us into the dance of the Trinity. For this reason, 
I kneel before the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for the Apostle Paul, for how you touched his life, how although was blinded, he could now see. He could see who Jesus was and what a fervor that he had in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world at this time, that time, and to us today. So Lord, we pray this prayer. We give thanks for the very fact that you call us into the dance of the Trinity. That Father, you are a God of compassion and a God of all comfort. That the Son was the Word made flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who was sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then we see the power of the Holy Spirit. When you said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Zealand, in Holland, and wherever life takes us. So Lord, we give you thanks. And we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.